If you don't pay attention to anything else in this here podcast, pay attention to theathletic.com slash four-pointer. That is how you get the best Mavs coverage, Cowboys coverage, stars blanking on the other teams, but they're out there too. Uh, Rangers, yeah, that's the other one. Um, So what The Athletic is all about, it's about in-depth coverage, uh, the best writers in your market, covering the teams you love at a level that no one else really is right now. There's no ads, there's no pop-ups, which I like. I don't like having to scroll another, you know, 15 inches down a page to see the next paragraph. It drives me insane sometimes. I don't need to see, you know, Bonbis socks ad in the middle of my articles. I like the info. I like to nerd out whenever I'm reading about sports. Maybe you do too. If you do, The Athletic is for you. We've got Tim Cato covering the Mavs on a daily basis. Jake Kemp, my man that co-hosts this show with me. Um writing on a weekly basis about the Mavs. It's the best Mavs coverage that there is, quite honestly, um, on the internet. So theathletic.com slash four-pointer, what that'll do for you is say 40% off your first year subscription with The Athletic, uh, $2.99 a month. That's all it's going to cost you. So please go there, uh, get you a subscription, and uh, raise your, your sports intelligence. Raise your IQ on this sports landscape. We would appreciate it. Uh, buy a couple subs, hand them out for uh, for Christmas. Your nephew ain't got nothing nice. He could use a couple subscriptions to The Athletic via theathletic.com slash four-pointer. Check it out. <laughs> Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirk. It was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T. So I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good. So. Right, it's the four-pointer, a day late, but somehow always on time. I'm Mike Marshall, to be more specific. That's my uh, my biblical. Uh, that is Jacob Kemp, great friend of mine, lifelong pals, basketball man at The Athletic, uh, Mavs postgame show, and of course, noon to three every single day, except tomorrow. Tomorrow's early morning for you. It is. With the... Classic tradition, unlike any other that uh, no other station could really do this, and I don't know why they'd even try. White Elephant Day on the ticket. So uh, wake up early with Jake if you're one of those people. I'll still be up. <laughs> I'm never going to sleep. I'm staying here tonight. No sleep, no v- December for you? Pretty much, pretty much. I'm going to I'm gonna stay up overnight and um, write parody songs. Build forts. I thought about, well, you know what? I'm not going to say in case I actually can pull this off. I don't want, not like anybody will probably have heard this by 6 a.m. tomorrow on Wednesday, but we'll see. We'll got, see. Got sticking around up here tonight for Mavs postgame. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then uh, Thursday night, I'm doing Fox Free For All or whatever they call that show. Yeah. With Deuce. Was, yeah. Free For All. Not with Deucey. He's ducking me. Oh, you got the Edward. E-E. Yeah. Doing it with uh, Eddie Egros. Um, so I'll see how much awkward laughter I can force him into. Bet you won't take your shirt off like I did. I might. I might have to top you. See might what you to, can do. Might have to rip the bottoms off. Work, yeah, go full, full uh, snap-offs, tops and bottoms. Um, I was going to just kind of take over the show and just do some Mavs jokes, like Weekend Update style, and just see if Edward's cool with that. They have nothing else, right? It's a 30-minute show. Or an hour? How long is that thing? See if you can do the weather. It's 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can do the weather. And uh, t- I'm going to do like five to ten Mavs jokes where I just like edge Edward completely out of his own program. 
And then uh, tell you to buy tickets because that's company man. <laughs> company man. But uh, yeah, this is episode 11 of The Four Pointer. Sorry it's Tuesday, but uh, I don't really care if your feelings are hurt. We have lives too. And uh, yesterday was just a little busy. A lot of stuff going on. Luca run, uh, won Rookie of the Month. Yeah, which is weird because it's like a six-week award. It's for end of October, all of November. Um, but whatever. We'll take whatever. I mean, whenever you want to give our son new toys, I'm not going to be upset at you. So Rookie of the Month for the Western Conference for October, November, Luka Doncic, the Dallas Maverick, which was awesome. So that kind of took up most of my afternoon and kind of edged out what we were trying to record yesterday. You know, what's even better is that Luka won Rookie of the Month and mm-hmm. Dennis Smith Jr., uh, rejected a tying attempt attempt of the uh, Western Conference Player of the Month. Yeah, Mr. So pretty Tobias. much he's the player. Pretty much he got that award. We yeah, he got stole both. it. Yeah, he took his That's soul. How that works? <laughs> Whenever you block somebody on a game winning shot, you take their soul and all the awards. And they the awards, have. yeah. That's an old merchant rule, right? <laughs> Talking maritime law ships, now. Yes, but uh, yeah, we got, we got a real life reenactment of the Tobias Harris uh, the level. When we used to compare every swing man in the NBA to better or worse than Tobias Harris. Yep. Because he got ma- maxed out real early, I think, with Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kept bouncing around. And I was like, why does Tobias Harris keep getting traded? Uh, Orlando, Detroit, Detroit, LA. Is this the second time a Clipper? I don't even remember. but Pretty uh, good fit. Yeah. No, he's a good player. Still I mean, there's nothing, very young. Nothing wrong with him. It's just like if you're not a top 20 wing in the league, you kind of get moved around, especially if you're on a big money deal. And we used to constantly compare, okay, Parsons to Tobias Harris. And we used to compare uh, Barnes to t- Tobias Harris. And we got a real life, uh, our, our, test, our test subjects were at each other on the same court for one night. Um, and I guess they will be, I guess in February, which I'll be at that game at Staples. Oh, nice. Yeah. I get to go to, uh, to LA. Mid- I'm willing to bet that the Clippers will not be second in the Western Conference by then. Yeah, I think I'd buy, I'd put heavy I like their units squad. on that. And They're I fine. like how much, I like how bat s crazy the West is. Yes. But they're not it. No, they're the not. Nuggets they're, are it. They're just super deep. Um, and that's one of the things, one of my early season theories where I try and, you know, write down all the little things I think we've learned through uh, different markers of the season of what exactly is the NBA trying to tell us this year. Um, and with the Clippers being the number one seed uh, in the West at that moment, now they're tied with the Nuggets. Um, Mavs roaring back after a crazy, uh, crazy good month of November. Uh, seven straight at home, eleven and ten overall now after starting two and seven. Deep teams, at least early on through twenty something games, that has a lot of value. And I heard Skin talk about it. On that other joint, they do numbers on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go check that out, go ahead and hit subscribe on that button. But uh, if you're deeper and you can roll out eight, nine, ten guys on a night-to-night basis, and none of them, you know, are just uh, glaring detriments on one end of the court or the other, like the Mavs can do. I mean, you can roll out two five-man units out there, and everybody that steps on the court has some kind of chops. Even Devin Harris now, you know what I mean? Like, Devin wasn't playing well whenever he first came back. And then Barreo wasn't hitting his shots early on, and then he turns into, you know, one of the better, better point guards, probably the best bench point guard uh, in the NBA at this point. But being able to roll out nine, ten guys, and none of them lose a step, has value because of the pace that we're running at now. That you need that many guys. You need new, fresh legs on the court at all times. And if you have one that it's a glaring weakness... They're going to pick you out. And even with the Clippers the other night, um, you know, you look up there and Sundarius Thornwell's in the game. And uh, I can't remember who the other guy was, but there were two, there was two lineups that they kept rolling out where Thornwell was out there and, uh, damn, I can't remember the other guy, but I was like, those guys are negatives. And they've gotten away with it because they've got Montrez, they've got uh, Lou Williams, you know, it's just a deep team overall, and they played really well. And Tobias is Mike probably Scott all- played 15 minutes. Mike Scott, that was one of them for sure. <laughs> or I was like, uh, neck tat Mike Scott, regional manager in the game. Um, but I think there's definite value, at least until teams start turning it on all the way, which is usually about Christmas, to having 10 guys you can roll out there. And I don't know if that's the entire Alabama for why the Clippers are 16 and 7. 
at this point in the season, but it's fun. It makes things fun. If you can get four players or like seven players for two players and two trades, mm-hmm. you can definitely build some depth. Yeah. I mean, between Blake and CP3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got a lot of guys. Yeah. And they don't even have to. Like, I was pretty excited about Teodosic when he came over, and he, like, doesn't play anymore. Yeah, I think he's borderline about done with this whole NBA, NBA thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, once they drafted Shay and mm-hmm. or Shy And uh, Jerome Robinson, right? Yeah. I don't think he played the other no. night. I don't know if he's played in a while. But, uh, and but the same still, thing. They, with, you know, they have Lou. Yeah, they got Lou. Um, and the same thing whenever the Grizzlies uh, came up on the schedule. You know, they don't do anything super special. They play their brand of basketball, um, which Clippers don't have that kind of identity. But the thing about the Grizzlies is they're going to roll out 10 dudes at you, and all of them are plus defenders, and that just wears you down. Yep. And creates an ugly basketball game. And it was interesting the other night against the Clippers because this doesn't have to all be, to tease the show, this isn't going to all be a uh, post-game Clippers uh, edition. Um, We'll go... uh, We'll do some hypothesis hunting, as we usually do in the midsection, and then we'll uh, preview a little bit of the Trailblazers, and hopefully you get a feel for that game tonight. But um, So the Grizzlies roll out 10 dudes that are great defensively um, on both sides of the court. I don't remember what I was going to on the Clippers, but um, no Maxi and no Luka the other night, which that's the first time this year Luka just flat out hasn't played. He's had, you know, Limited minutes and foul trouble and, you know, ran into a chair one time and ran into a stanchion the other time and had to miss parts of games. But flat out, no, no Max, no Max, you know, Luca heading into that game. And I wanted, I really wanted to see what the offense was like and, okay, what's the plan now? And the plan basically was ISO basketball for 48 minutes. And it was really weird. I did not think they could win that way. But at some point in the third quarter, heading into like the fourth quarter, they convinced the Clippers that uh, the game of basketball is not that fun and you have no interest here tonight <laughs> because the Clippers just got like out of it. They just didn't seem like they gave a crap and they Mavs took a healthy lead and ISO'd them to death and kept scoring. I mean, Barnes was awesome and he's been awesome. Um, and then, you know, Dennis makes a few defensive plays. You get a tooth knocked out and everyone gets fired up. And that's kind of... Uh, the formula for beating the number one team in the Western Conference at this point at home, which I don't know where this home thing came from. I don't know if it's just the teams they've played, but they're a freaking really good home. Anybody that comes in here, I think we can knock off at home. Young teams are typically much better at they have more dramatic splits with their home and road than older teams. That makes sense. <clears throat> I've I've seen that study done somewhere before. Maybe it was just shooting percentages, but I mean, you're getting a game. Berea or Harris is carrying you, one of them, if not combined, mm-hmm. almost every night. Yeah, and Berea had a 20-point first half in that Clippers game, and that dude's been nuts. And then Barnes had a ton in the first. I mean, he wasn't a super efficient night for Barnes. I think he took like the sixth or seventh most shots in the history of Matt. Of, of yeah, Matt. he took like 28, didn't he? He did. Something like that. He did. And Yeah, that's not great formula. but But, I mean, he did knock down. You know, three of nine is not great for threes, but he got to the line five times. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that his field goal percentage was as low as it was after the game because I kind of felt like they needed him to do what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah. And they gummed it up. And yeah. I would definitely be in, interested in a playoff series between those two teams. Oh, that'd be fun. Especially if, you know, if Luke is back and you have a little more punch because mm-hmm. obviously Beverly is – not only a dirty player, but now you have a little bit of bad blood. And yep. I think the Clippers are, you referenced the Grizzlies earlier, I think the Clippers are going to resemble the Grizzlies of a few years ago eventually. I mean, I they're not, they might not have the star power, but if they hold on to Bradley, Gildas Alexander, Trez, yeah. <laughs> Tobias Harris, I mean, I guess the Grizzlies never really had a swingman like that, but that's a tough team. They may not be all that talented when it's all said and done, but a playoff series with them is going to get testy. Yeah. And, I mean, I assume Gortat will be gone and Montrez will be starting and they'll fill it with, you know, some some other nasty dude back there. But, yeah, that'd be a fun, dirty, gummed-up series. Yeah. Um, you ever lost a tooth? 
You know, I don't think I have. I have a, a chip <laughs> that like, I had like to get like, kind of filed down to kind of filled. No, but I guess I never have. I don't think I've ever. I've never came uh, like over the handlebars of a bike, which meant that was like the really popular move for losing your teeth. Mm-hmm. You got to get those clips in the shoes, though, so you can clip into the bike. And that was just, never going fast enough. And then you just dislocate your hip like my brother did. <laughs> <laughs> He's just stuck on the bike. <laughs> But his hips dislocated. He's just in there yelling. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it's awful. It was you mentioned awful. Barnes in the twenty-eight shots, mm-hmm. um, and it's really kind of confusing because I wrote about, I did my athletic article on him last week. Yeah, which you can of course um, go get your athletic subscription for forty percent off, two ninety-nine a month at theathletic.com/slash/fourpointer, and read yeah. that if you'd like. Tim Cato has a really interesting article this week about the potential outcomes for Smith Jr. Yeah. Like, on one hand, I look at the stats around Barnes. Let me pull up the article real quick. And the transformation from when he got here to where he is now, and I think a lot of it was skill set. I think a lot of it was necessity. Mm -hmm. But in any case, when he got here, they immediately handed him almost a tripled usage rating and said, we need you to handle the ball. And you really only know how to do this in isolation. So let's just do that. And they went. he went from 30% of his shots being on spot-up possessions his last year in Golden State down to 15% his first year in Dallas. His ISO went from 9% to 25%. His post-up went from 13% to 18%. So we saw a huge jump from his last year to Golden State to Dallas. And in the process of the last two and a half years, his numbers now look a lot closer to what they were in Golden State as far as the type of possessions he uses than they did his first year in Dallas. His three-point percentage is back up this year. Um, I think if you threw out like the first six or seven games he was back, you would see even a more dramatic increase in both production, efficiency, and types of usage. Oh, yeah. He was just trying to feel out like what it felt like to shoot uh, threes in an NBA game and run off screens in live action for, I don't know, 10 quarters? Yeah. There's, there's no doubt. And, you know, figuring out exactly, like you said, to play with new players and feel his body out. 83% of his uh, made threes were assisted in 2017-18. It's 91% this year. Yeah. It was 99% his last year in Golden State, which is bonkers. That's crazy. But out of 152 players that, have, uh, is, that are qualified for unguarded jump shots, he's ranks, he ranks 30th in the points he's created. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been unguarded on two-thirds of his catch-and-shoot attempts. Only 26 players of those 152 have a higher share of unguarded. So basically, they're creating a ton of unguarded looks for him. He's knocking them down at a pretty high rate. And yet still, if you go to, I don't know if you're into NBAMath.com, but they do a points-added statistic that's basically offensive points added, defensive points saved. He's the worst on the team. Yeah. Second to only, you know, Last only a little bit uh, worse than Dennis Smith Jr. That's weird. So they, I have two guys, and I know Dennis Smith Jr.'s true true shooting percentage is super low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't totally know what the how to trust these metrics or not, but I know that I do think of Dwight Powell as a super efficient player, and he's number one. Yeah. And I sometimes think of Barnes as a slightly below efficient player, at least over the last couple of years, and he's last. So I do think they mean something. And it's just weird because they have two guys that I think are pretty good and getting better as they figured out, and they have horrible uh, advanced stats. I mean, horrible. Yeah, I th- maybe the fact that um, if you sort – so I did this other night, and I tried to figure out guys that play that many minutes, take that many shots, yet average less than like two and a half assists a game, and it's him and a bunch of centers and, yeah. and Clay. Because Clay doesn't pass the ball, um, and there's—I mean—if that's your role, that's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just uh, that might that might be the loophole in that formula, is that he never he never assists, he never creates points for anybody else in the team. It's just himself. Yeah, that's interesting. And I and actually, I thought last year that he had kind of started to uh, be a little bit better of a playmaker, mm-hmm. and that's there's just no need for it anymore. No, there's so you really kind of just don't see it anymore. And yeah. with Dennis, it's that he never gets to the line. Yeah, Dennis, and that will absolutely zap. Yeah, his your percentages is a 
Yeah, his efficiency and his true shooting and all that stuff. I mean, just having <laughs> two free throws a game at 70% is not – it's not cheating the formula at all. You're fighting it. Yep. Um, and with Barnes, it, interesting things happen whenever you take people out of these lineups uh, right now because, I mean, Dwight Powell missed, what, a week? And I thought, okay, there goes our bench. But to me right now, whenever you look at, okay, how they're staggering people, and Wes missed two to three games and they didn't miss a beat, um, and I thought he might hurt them defensively. Um, right now it feels like you've got uh, six, seven guys that all think they're alphas, that all think they deserve 20 shots a game. And whenever they're all healthy, I feel like at least some of them or all of them Overall, just at a slower or not, uh, just a um, slightly less steep degree, have some kind of repressed offensive ability. Yeah. Like, I JJ knows he could go out there and score 20 points a night, I think. Uh, Dennis thinks he could score 20 a night. Luca knows he can. Barnes thinks he can score 30 a night. West thinks he can make 10 threes every night. And so when you take one out, it gives these other guys a bigger share of the pie and a bigger chance to shine. And I feel like that's exactly what Barnes did the other night, where it's like, okay, well, now Luca's not here and Maxie's not here. I know I'm playing 35 minutes. Let's get these shots in. Like, this is my chance. And when you have everybody hungry like that, I feel like it creates a really positive environment until everybody's healthy. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, Wes got five shots tonight. Is he going to be cool with that <laughs> or not? And, and credit to, to Wes because, I mean, he was shooting every time he touched the ball early in the season. <laughs> Because he felt like he had to take the tough shots, and he felt like you know whatever uh, Barnes was out, and you know different situations. But um, he's just kind of fit in right now. Like no one's talking about Wesley Matthews shooting too much or handling too much because he's just kind of you know what everyone knows their role. Um, we've got more than enough playmaking and shooting and uh, offensive capability on this team. I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. If you need me to shoot, I'll shoot. If I'm wide open, I'm taking it. Otherwise, don't force anything. And he's still there's still that one possession every every game where you're going, don't dribble in there, don't dribble. You're gonna someone's gonna hit the ball and it's a turnover the other way. Um, but I I like the way Wes has fit in for about what a week and a half since he's been back. And um, I like the way he's fit for most of the season outside of like the first two weeks, maybe. Yeah, really from the time they they started staggering his minutes differently, and they don't even have to do it every night. But mm -hmm. that's I can live with that. Yeah. No, and that's that's he he just needed to either they needed to to define his role better or he needed to accept that. And I don't know which one happened or both. Whenever, you know, there was a big stink about that uh post game Knicks meeting with Donnie. Mm -hmm. Um but I honestly think that was probably constructive. That was probably okay, what do I need to do to win? I'm willing to shift who I'm playing with. I'm willing to shift where I'm playing, how much I'm shooting, how much I'm dribbling, whatever it is. Just tell me how we get back to winning. And ever since that moment, that Knicks game, which uh, after this podcast, I don't ever want to talk about again because that was the worst part of the season where we hit two and seven, got smoked by Alonzo Trier and the Knicks at home. And I'm looking at Bobby going like, what did you get me into? <laughs> but... uh Ever since that moment, we are nine and three, undefeated at home, fourth in net rating, fourth in defensive rating, second in defended field goal percentage against, second in opponent three point percentage, fifth in effective field goal percentage, and four and one in clutch games, which is absolutely bananas. Yeah, I mean, especially we when you consider that it was the near mirror image of all of those through the first nine games. Yes, it was certainly a, the defensive numbers. It was a 180. It was the exact other side of it. And we were just looking at each other going, well, they're just not that talented defensively. What do you want from them? But they found a way to make it work. And a lot of it is credit to Dennis. Because whenever you have a guy on ball and that's the head of the spear picking guys up um, once they get past the, the half-court circle and just playing like a maniac on on defense, man. He's convinced himself that he can stonewall anybody in the post and jump up and challenge the shot. I mean, he did it in Houston. He did it in L.A. for a couple possessions. And then 
the one that everybody saw that's going to change the narrative of Dennis's defense this season across the league is the Tobias Harris game-winning attempt the other night. But he's using his like verticality and his his athleticism like in a very responsible and smart way on the defensive end. And we always talk about Dennis in relation to Luca and one of the things that I think Luca lets everybody else do is not worry about playmaking. Not worry about is this offensive possession going to be a positive offensive possession. Worry about the other parts of your game. And of course he doesn't say it. It's not a it's not, probably not even a verbal thing. It's just I see this guy can create looks, can move the ball. Heck, a freaking Lucas step back 3 is a positive play at this point. It's a positive offensive possession. And so I don't have to worry about creating my shot and playing iso ball for eight seconds on the offensive end. You know what? I'm going to exert more energy defensively. I'm going to get my hands on more balls. I'm going to deflect more uh, balls like Dennis did in Houston. Dude, that was absolutely nuts what he did in Houston. Yeah. I didn't know who that was. I was like, dude, did we just get Deshaun Stevenson back somehow? Like, he is in passing lanes. He's blocking people. He's not letting. Dude, that chase down was so mean. That was so mean on whatever homeboy house. Was it how? I think it was number six. I can't remember because I've seen the video about 25 times. I just can't remember what the dude's name. He's just like, no, this is our identity now. I'm not letting anything easy happen. And whenever you have a point guard doing that, it changes everything. And what Luca allows everybody else to do is focus on those other areas of their game. Because I can, I'll take the burden. I'll take the offensive burden. And on most nights, it's a positive effect. Some nights, I mean, the L.A. game, obviously his hip was bothering him. And he looked like he didn't know where the ball was going when it came off his fingers. But, uh, yeah, the dude has made everything easier on everyone else. And that's probably his most valuable thing right now. And it's his first year, so you can also kind of imagine how much he's going to help players they draft in the future. Mm-hmm. Or free agents that they sign in the future. Yeah. I never really thought that about Dennis even whenever I was pretty high on him. I was more focused on how his game would come along and maybe how he'd be able to create for others in transition. But even whenever I thought he was going to, you know, I'm thinking, man, this guy can be really good. I never thought, well, he's going to be a guy who instantly makes other people better. Everybody who plays with Luka will be better for it. And I think that also applies to Dennis if his jump shot continues to develop and we're not just looking at a small sample size because I mean it's twenty one games now. I don't know it's when quite you, a lot, yeah. Yeah. I don't know when you stop. And, and you I know. think he still I think he still has a lot of room to grow in the as a as a pick and roll ball handler and passer, but I still think that it's so early. The the question is this does him seeing less of those type of possessions mean that he is less likely to reach his ceiling than he would have been had they not brought in Luca, And so if you thought, all right, here's his developmental curve and here's where I see this going, and you felt confident in that, which I did, do you change your mind whenever you stop asking somebody to have to do that as much? Because last year he was 16th in the league in touches and obviously leading their team, and that's never going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, he had, he's, hell, I mean, even if we just look at how it's changed in the last, as you said, 10 or 11 games it's mm-hmm. much much less what you've seen in the last 11 games is probably much more what you're going to see at least for the rest of the year can he continue to become efficient as a secondary playmaker without doing it all the time and I think the answer is probably yes because I think the fact is mostly just that he hasn't played that much yeah yeah and he- I think that I, I really do think that's important like I just went through this and of 45 qualified pick-and-roll ball handlers. Only three have turned the ball over more in pick-and-roll ball handling uh, possessions. He's 30th in percentage of the time he draws free throws. I think both of those things, if they can just become league average and he continues to shoot near 40% from three, that's a guy you want on the floor. Even if he's not, as you said, out there to create for others and that that's like the pressure that's on him. I, I just... I will make no definitive negative statements about his future until at least the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I feel like his playbook has gotten simplified 
Like, whatever you think of, okay, second-year quarterback, I gave him too much year one, and it kind of ate him alive, and he's, you know, trying to make the play before the play every time he dribbles down. I feel like Dennis's little sheet that he keeps in his locker probably had five things on it at beginning of the season that was like, okay, find your spots to play make, you know, get other people involved, uh, push the pace offensively, um, and then, you know, be a good jump shooter, which he has been. Right now, it's it's very simple for him. It's it's like three things. Knock down open shots, get the ball across half court real quick, and then be a plus defensively. Be active. The other stuff will fall where it's supposed to. If you're getting out and running in transition, I think this took some convincing too. I think that's why we didn't see it consistently until now early in the season at least, if you push the ball across half court and you get out and you and you go as heavy as you can in transition, the points are going to come. You're going to get down there, you're going to have a clear side of the court, and DeAndre's going to set one screen and you're going to be downhill. And it doesn't get much easier for that if you're Dennis Smith Jr. As long, so long as he, you know, takes a smart shot and doesn't complicate it and try and up and under in an impossible angle and but dude, he's 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 a young dude, so I know he's worried about, okay, I need to contribute in the form of points. I'm a point guard, so I'm supposed to distribute the basketball and get everybody else involved. That's not what they need from him right now, and that's not what he's been doing. He's been doing the other stuff. I'm going to tell you the, the punch that they have that I'm still a little bit frustrated that they haven't thrown, mm-hmm. but... It's kind of one of those deals where they must just not be very good at it. I think his best chance in pick and roll situations is with Luca screening for him. Probably. Because one, uh, Luca's big enough to roll and he can pop. And I think that's really confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if he can get, if they can develop that and they're kind of over the next couple of years, that for the most part, Luca might be initiating, you know, most of your actions, but and maybe some of them involve, or all of them, frankly, involve off-ball screens and cuts, and you know, basically just passing away from the screen, and then here comes Smith Jr. curling back around to the paint. I think that is a bread and butter. But I also think if you run a one-three pick and roll, it's going to be really, really hard for him not to have a extremely open look at the rim. Yeah, and. I'm not saying that's what he has to have to be successful because really I'd like for him to be able to succeed when they're not open so he can get fouled. But I think that's a punch that they have in their future offensive attack that I don't think they've run once this year. I don't no. think I've seen Lucas screen on ball for Smith Jr. once the entire year. And that's like you'll see that sometimes with uh well hell, LeBron teams have done it forever. Um, but you'll see it sometimes you used to see it a little bit with Ben Simmons and like uh, Dario Saric mm-hmm. because Saric, although Luca's way better, is also a guy who can shoot and roll. And obviously, obviously Simmons is much much bigger, but it would really confuse people. Here, here's the two issues with that, and why they I think they're trying to get Dennis's confidence to 110 percent before they start doing that. Um, okay, number one, whenever he does get in the lane and there's someone on him. I don't feel like he's strong enough or like, um, you know, just savvy and slick enough to finish contested layups consistently yet. And the other thing is, without the basketball, without his herky-jerky stop-start, freeze-you stuff, I don't know if Luka's foot speed is good enough. You know what I mean? Compared to the guys that are defending him. After screening? Yeah. Like, if he sets a screen... And he spins open, and I'm going to beat my guy back to the basket. That's where the pass needs to be. I don't know if that's a plus. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd like to see it. I'd like, I want to see it. I want to see him do it I, and I, fake it and pop. Well, yeah, I think that 75% of the time, that's what would happen. Yeah. And if, but if you, don't, if you can't straight beat somebody, if they have to worry about Get where, the cross. which way yeah. you're going, then it's a little more interesting to me. I don't think he's going to like bully past anybody, especially if they drop on him. Mm-hmm. 
He's that's not really. But I think also even if he draws a drop, he can pull up. Yeah. Uh, like you know, a floater in the paint as opposed to just rim rim running. I think they're keeping that card in their pocket too. It's I I just think if we're looking for ways for Smith Jr. can eventually become a little more effective as a playmaker, that two man game might be, it might be an option. Yeah. And look, his numbers are better at the rim this year than they were last year. Not mm-hmm. much. I guess what I'm saying is on every single thing he does, even despite the fact that he's going to have a reduced role, if he continues on a sim- similar trajectory after last season that he has through the 19 games he's played this season, he's going to be a a plus player next year. Mm-hmm. And even if he's just a slightly plus player, and then by year four, if he's a guy who is, you know, I don't know, I just... If he was completely stagnant, I would understand it a little bit more. But he hasn't been completely stagnant. He's been slightly better at just about everything. Yeah. I I mean, I guess my question would be, would you rather him do this, which is like a basically a Monte role? Yeah, or um yeah. Pu- push the pace. Um I get Monte was probably used more in the half court and pick and roll. But it was always straight line drives. It wasn't never totally trusted his shot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No matter how much you watched it. Um, would you rather him slowly progress, you know, 5% each year uh, like this? Or would you try and, you know, force him into half-court playmaking situations? Because I think this, where he's going right now and the trajectory that he's found over the last, you know, uh, basically since the first five games, um, since people were having a freak out about about Dennis and his body language and, you know, can he and Luca survive together? No one's talking about that anymore, number one, because they're winning, but number two, because he's accepted this other role and found a way to be productive. Would you rather him try to get back to this untapped potential of half-court Dennis or, okay, I'm going to be super Monte? Yeah, I think the latter is probably is probably inevitable. Yeah. But I just don't think that's a horrible thing. No, it's not at all. That's I, a good player. I think I think for a huge swath of the fan base, they were excited that they had a player that was not Justin Anderson. Yeah, we didn't know how to treat a top 10 pick. Right, and that's a guy who, is. again, was, was very highly regarded. He's been the best guard in the country at his age for much of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we – but – I think that we probably maybe it's partly people like me's fault. Um, for you gotta have something to be excited about. Like we're gonna watch all these damn games, even if they're bad. I'm gonna find something to be excited about. And the ninth overall pick, a guy that was the fifth player picked at his position in a you know whatever you want to think of last year's draft. I'm gonna get excited about that. Yeah, because I still think he's a player who can be on your team and be like a solid starter yeah in the future but that doesn't mean that he's going to be a guy who's who changes everything for you yeah every, maybe if they had just come in a different order everybody would chill out about it yeah absolutely they would if and you that, flip luca and dennis and you're like oh nine sequence, now i understand what nine means because yes. three we basically traded two picks for this guy everybody was trying to scream from the highest mountaintop that this dude is better than anybody who thinks he's great thinks he is. Mm -hmm. And then if they had gone nine the next year, and it's like, oh, this guy's a nice player. How does he fit around him? Yeah. As opposed to how does Junior fit around Luka? His time, at least public perception-wise, would be much simpler. Absolutely. Completely agree. And it's like, okay, every team has a leading scorer. Every team doesn't have a superstar. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's not 30 superstars in the league. Um, Every team doesn't have an all-star. Just because the guy is the best player on your team and the most exciting thing on your team, you need to know where he's properly slotted and what his role on a winning playoff team, and then you rank, crank it up a little bit to conference finals team, and then, okay, is he top three player on a on an NBA finals team? And we don't know any of that yet. We're all kind of educating ourselves on that because we haven't, you know, we've had one or two playoff series in the last five years, and they didn't go that well. Um, I'm looking at Dennis pick and roll numbers right now. DeAndre, 257 total picks. Uh, for him? Yeah, for Dennis. Barnes, 50. Other is rated at 40. Hey, so I tell you what, you mess. know what, I'm going to pull this up real quick, but you bring that up. Um, I know there was a lot of ISO ball 
in the in the Clipper game. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like they've also started to use Barnes as a screener a little bit more since he's been back. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find the number. You might be here. right. Maybe on they that. just jump out to me more uh, because I know, like I was referencing his numbers in his first two years here in Dallas, it was never. Yeah, just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so there's been 11 possessions and he's seven of ten as a pick and roll roll man. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. a lot. It's just it just when you see it, it almost jumps off the screen at you now because I'm like, oh, it's somebody besides DeAndre or Powell yeah. setting a screen, yeah. which they really do very little of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think they have that in their bag. Um, the the Barnes setting the screen pick and roll, the Luca setting the screen pick and roll. Um, that stuff's dirty work, though. Like, oh yeah, it's. I don't know if everybody's necessarily built for it, knows how to do it without you know banging your knee every single time. Or with Luca right now, I'd say let's worry about that after the All Star break because his hips already messed up a little bit. Um, which I think he's fine to go tonight. Um, he was playing uh full-on three-on-three game the other day at practice. Well, that's all well and good, but I miss Maxie. Yeah, Maxie's really stinking good, man. But uh, this is also helping us hide Maxie a little bit. So <laughs> let's just keep that. Let's talk real soft when we bring up Maxie Cleaver and how good he's been. And, you know, I don't need too many articles about him. I just need him to be. <laughs> well, I got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably what I'm doing this week. Yeah. But- Dude's been great. Um, I brought this up the other day on uh, whenever we did uh, Ceiling as the Roof. Johnny? Yeah, with hopping. But I wanted to read off. Okay. Luka Doncic is 19 years old. He's played in 20 NBA games. He is Western Conference Rookie of the Month. Um, Let's look at exactly what these numbers mean. Because they're ridiculous right now. I mean, 18 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4.3 assists. You can do those totals, um, and you can look at Dennis's numbers last year and find a way to skew them to which, oh, there's only, only five guys have ever done that, but it's like, okay, the efficiency was trash. Well, Luca's pretty stinking efficient thus far, and he's contributing positively to winning basketball. So 33 minutes a game, 92nd percentile in the NBA. 14.6 attempts per game, 90th percentile in the NBA. Field goal percentage is 44-3, 50th percentile, not that great. Um, Three-point attempts, 6.2 a game, 93rd percentile in the NBA. Three-point percentage is 38-2, 75th percentile in the NBA. Uh, free throw attempts a game, four, that is the 88th percentile in the NBA. Total rebounds a game, six and a half. That is the 87th percentile in the NBA. Assists per game, 4.3, 90th percentile. Steals, 84th percentile. Points, 18.4 points a game, 91st percentile in the league. Which one was 50? Was it shot? Was it three-point percentage? Field goal percentage. Field goal percentage. So there's only one statistic in which he has been average. uh, Just average. Yes. None in which he's been below. Everything else, he's been freaking superb. You can't cheat percentiles. (laughs) That's how they work. Um, so just so you have a feel, everyone's like, oh, he's good. He's fun to watch. He hits crazy shots like he's, you know, Marco Bellinelli or something. No, he's like a 90th percentile player in the league. Yeah. I mean, he's... Which is nuts. It jumps off the floor, you know? I mean, it's different than last year where a lot of times with Dennis, you're like, oh, you know, the raw stats look pretty good. Right. I mean, some of these plays are pretty cool. And then you would look at some of the other numbers and you're like, man, I don't know. Why is, it, why is everybody... Like, Dennis had historically bad efficiency numbers mm-hmm. given his usage rating last year. Yeah. I mean, uh, D- Dennis, you would look for like one possession yeah. to convince yourself that this can turn into something down the road. Luca, I'm just watching him possession to possession and going, okay, let's see how he's building off that last one or that last game or last week when he tried this exact same thing. Um, like I didn't see him working on that, that floater early on in practice like early in the season. And then a weekend he decided, okay, I'm not going at the basket because people know I go right hand every time and I kind of have to duck my uh, shoulder and, you know, it's a difficult finish. So instead, I'm just going to throw the ball to the sky and assume that I have good enough touch that it's going through the basket. And so he just keeps adding these little wrinkles. And my favorite thing about him thus far is he makes everything else simpler for his teammates. 
And if he needs to run point tonight, he can run point tonight. If he needs to score, he can score. If he needs to distribute, he can distribute. And everybody else can go down to the offensive end and go find my spot to fit in. Make your to-do list three instead of five, where Wes assumed he needed to make plays early in the season. Dennis assumed he needed to make plays and get people open. And I'm sure Barnes did. Uh, whenever he was on the bench going, you know, I need to, this year, I probably need to come in here and make some plays. And then you get on the court with the guy and you're like, you know what? I got to do three very simple things. And everybody's to-do list has gotten shrunken. And it's, that's why they're a good team right now. That and defense. <laughs> yeah, and JJ. Yeah, and JJ's been unfreaking real man. I don't, I don't know what else to say about the dude besides that Clippers game. Like, he was going for throats. <laughs> he was like, there's no... uh there's no confusion of what's happening here. I'm going right at the rack. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, again, we've said it a thousand times, but what happens when Dirk comes back. Mm-hmm. I guess it won't be that interesting if Maxie's injury continues to linger, but that doesn't seem like the case. Yeah, I I don't know how if I'm not that worried about the Maxie thing because it seems like he's, he's practicing. He's just not playing in the games right now, uh, and he might play tonight. Who knows? Um but he's also the reason Maxi got here at age 24. And he's hurt a lot. Yeah, he was just a super injured dude. You know, a lot of lower lower body injuries. And maybe because he maybe because he wasn't very strong. Um I don't know what it was, but I think he's corrected most of that. And he's talked about that before. He said, "You know, I hurt my foot, hurt my knee." Hurt this, hurt that, cost me a year here, cost me a year here. And now, I mean, the dude has an NBA body at this point and has NBA conditioning and NBA, you know, core strength. And I think he's just like a different dude. And credit to him, dude. He's 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 number one example of Mavs reclamation project right now. If there's somebody that, you know, wants to come here or, you know, hits free agency and is not quite sure about um where their career is going or what's the right situation for me. Dude, I would just go, hey, go have lunch with Maxi Cleaver. Yeah. Uh he's the he's the latest Brandon Wright. He's the latest latest Alfaruka Minu. Guy who we took from, you know, not nothing. He was probably gonna be in the NBA one way or the other. But uh it's once you have them. And also Dorian Finney Smith. Same exact thing, man. The patience they showed on Dorian Finney Smith Dude, I was about fed up with him last year. <laughs> I mean, we 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 had you can go listen to the tape. We have podcasts out there where I'm like, the dude can't hit a shot. Yeah, I get he's, he's a great defender, but you can't play him because he can't hit a shot. The dude is hitting like step backs now. Yeah, <laughs> which is insane to me. But those two dudes are gonna make themselves some money. Yeah, and I hope it's here, but I guess we'll just have to see. They're both restricted. Yep. So we have the option, obviously. Um, unless you, for some reason, need to renounce their rights or anything. But, uh, yeah, those are success stories that are making this team, you know, above a 500 team right now. I wanted to just do a little bit. I want to tell you a little bit more on Dennis' defense. Sure, yeah. Um, I feel like I've definitely noticed him being more active. And not just like, hey, he gets cheeky in passing lanes, but just right. like he he looks a little thicker to me. He definitely still has the speed. And it's been pretty early. But if you just look at possessions where you're guarding the ball handler and pick and rolls, it's not it's really, really early. But still, if you look at 118 qualified players, he's fifty first. And he's around your Bob Covington, your Malcolm Brockton, Oladipo. Uh, Kelly Oubre, guys who were thought of as not bad defenders. Joe Ingles plays pretty good defense. Lonzo Ball plays pretty good defense. Like These are the guys that he's around. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a little bit weird because if you look at the top, and I haven't watched the Thunder closely enough this year, apparently Russ is having a pretty insane year defensively. Mm. Uh, but even the guys at the top are all guys that make sense. Darren Collison's always been a pretty good defender. Uh, Avery Bradley. Uh, here's one that doesn't make any sense. Berea. Yeah, dude, his numbers he's, are weird right 20th. now. He's 20th. His defensive numbers are very, very good this year. I just looked up the quanti- quantified shot quality on him, and he's actually leading the team. In outperforming? Yeah, or in, in, in total, up. and then 
well, people are like outperforming their shot quality by eight because they can just shoot over him. But what he's forcing people into, like the shot that he's allowing you to have, is the best on the team. Yeah, <laughs> he's 90th percentile in, in every single uh, category. Berea ranks very highly. So weird. Now, part of that obviously is that he's not guarding. Oh, it's 12 shots a game or 12 shots, 100 possessions, which is almost nothing. Um, but it's it's Whereas weird Dennis to see him is like 225. Yeah, but Den- still, it's it's. I mean, Dennis, Dennis is tied for third on this. Uh, in terms of uh, quantified shot quality. I think that's a huge, huge thing to to keep track of because if he's mm-hmm. able to do that and shoot the ball decently, it kind of doesn't really yeah. matter what he does with his you yeah. know, with his uh, playmaking. or As long as he pushes the pace. As right. long as he has that as his autopilot. And it's almost as simple as off a of make, Luca brings the ball up. Off a of miss. Yep. Dennis, you got the ball. Get it up there quick. Make the simple read. Get it at the basket. Or, you know, bring it back out, reset. Um, And it seems like such a simple playbook for him. But, I mean, just imagine every time you touch the ball, your coach and the entire team is expecting you to sprint. Sprint the ball up. No matter what you see, just get the damn ball up there. And I know, like you, we don't talk about trading players, but the only thing I'll say about that is just that to people who throw that out there is just from a from a purely pragmatic standpoint, the most value he has for the Mavericks is developing into a player here, and a player who can play with Doncic, even if it means staggering their minutes. Whether yeah. that means you call him a point guard or whatever you call him, by far the most value you're going to get out of that ninth overall pick. And at least the first five years of his career, by far the the number the best value is here. Yeah. So and that is the reason why they will be very patient with this. And he's slowly kind of molding himself into something I didn't think he could be, which is a plus defender beside Luca. Yeah. And that's extremely important. Need that. And that should be a lesson that Yeah, don't we, define a guy by yes. his rookie season on a twenty four yes. win team. Or his AAU games or his yeah. You know, two games against Duke or North Carolina that's took like Yeah. Some guys do it like over a summer, like Jason Tatum, I feel like, like just morphed himself into a shot maker last year and Donovan Mitchell, same thing. Some guys it takes a year. And there's no rhyme or reason to me about it. It's you know, probably having a more finite role on a better team in terms of Tatum and Mitchell, where they can just show you traits that just didn't exist. But Dennis, I mean, we're all so quick to get this, you know, idea, this profile of what this guy is. And, okay, he's played 70 games, and I know exactly what he is. That's just not how it works. Well, it's not. But I would say if you were going to say that there is a way it works that way, it would be whenever someone has already played four years of professional (laughs) basketball. Yeah. So I think, you know, it might sound like you're talking out both sides of your mouth to say, well, why can I draw conclusions about one but not the other? And the reality is just that one of them had played much more. They'd hoop much more against higher competition. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I so mean, I feel pretty good that Doncic yeah. is exactly what he's shown, and I feel pretty good that Junior will continue to get better. And I also feel like Maxi is what he's shown. Yeah. You're always going to have the injury issue. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But yeah, it's good times, man. I mean, they've got a lot of games at home. Dude, they're stinking really fun at home, and then I think next five of six are at home. Yeah. Um, People will have probably already heard, seen Portland Yeah. Uh, before this. But then, yeah, a stretch of Houston, Orlando, Atlanta, you could easily get all three mm-hmm. of those. Easily. Yeah. Houston's a mess. Yeah. Um, we saw that, which I was mean, they had no interest in playing basketball the other night when we went down there. New Orleans is uh, – is, They're tricky. They're very tricky, but I do think they're pretty good. They're a good team. And especially at home. Mm-hmm. They have probably the best player in the league. Yeah, he's close. He's up there for sure. So um, you might not get that one, but I think they'll. That'll be a it's good. Pretty clear Dennis. they're going to hang around tonight, and the uh, the Pelicans game will be good Dennis tests because obviously the Blazers are going to roll Lillard McCollum at you, um, and then Seth uh, on the second unit, and uh, you get some Sauce Castillo. I know you've been wondering when you get to see Sauce. 
and then Long lost love <laughs> and then uh pelicans you're getting a whole lot of drew holiday mm-hmm. up in your face so if if there's a team that thinks they're going to roll out there and have a immediate from jump advantage in the backcourt it's probably going to be portland and new orleans and i want to see if dennis you know <laughs> has something else for him where okay you think you can you think you can you know just make the easy pass on me that's not me anymore that's not how i play anymore welcome welcome to the thunderdome cuz i play a freaking 90 foot game and i play fast and i push the ball and i hope that's what he has i hope that's it tonight and i i think he's playing tonight i don't think the tooth is going to be an issue um and then luca's going to i'd be willing to guarantee luca plays tonight and then maxi's probably on the cusp of getting back but uh you talk a little bit about dirk return Sure, I don't really know what there is to say about it other than I don't have any idea how it's going to fit, but I'm positive that it will. It'll fit. I think it's extra assist or two a game for Berea, which doesn't even seem possible right now. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's Saturday. If I had to pinpoint one, I thought it was going to be Sunday, and he started playing three-on-three against actual NBA players Monday at practice. We have video to prove it. Um, I think it's... It's in this next five of six that are at home. I think he's he'll be he'll be back. Um, and you know we've talked we talked about how the, the minutes get divided up. I don't think we need to dive into that. But it's you know a couple here, a couple there. There's gonna be some non dirt games. There's gonna be some non maxi games. There's gonna be some non you know pal games. There's gonna be just situations where you can head into a game and already have the game plan, so you're not sitting there going. E Maxi or Dirk right now, Maxi or Dirk. And you can look at the other roster and kind of just figure it out. It's not that difficult. The only prediction I have for when Dirk comes back is that even though he probably won't play all that many minutes with Luka, the first time he screens for Luka and <laughs> yeah. he pops and Doncic hits him and he knocks down a three will be the loudest the arena has been all year this year. Yeah. I, that I, might I, be like really quickly. Uh-huh. Because, well, I guess it just kind of depends on if with the game – the game Dennis was out, but I'd have to look this up. I feel like Luca plays with Berea more than Donch or more than Dennis does, but that oh, might for be sure he does. So that's I think he's probably going to end up playing, yeah, with the second unit a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I told I told Bobby I was like the first time Luca passes the Dirk or they run a two man game, and uh, you know one of them knocks down a three. There's going to be a single tier. Just come Don, streaming. Don Hobbler might pass out. <laughs> Just streaming down my face. Shout out Don Nobbler. The instigator. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Tough guy. We were talking about it on the show today, but do you remember how old people used to say your mother? Yeah. No other attendant yeah. insult to it, and it yeah. was considered a... Uh-huh. That's weird. That's pretty weird. <laughs> was a I agree. Different time. Absolutely. Let me see if I can find this while we're still here real quick. Okay. Um, Another side note. Yeah, Berea uh, and Doncic is one thirty six uh, minutes, mm-hmm. and Berea Smith Junior is only whoa, only seventeen. Oh my! Yikes. Yeah, you're definitely gonna have some Luca Dirk combo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that uh, I'll I'll just preview because I don't have anything to show as of yet. I don't have finite details, but uh, we're gonna do some crazy Dirk stuff this year. Like some stuff that uh, is going to be in combination with some sponsors who are going to spend some um, large quantities of money producing some things uh, that I've got a big hand in. So I'm, I don't have a lot to show you or a lot of details to tell you, but I'm ex- super excited about it. <laughs> you know people um, are going to panic. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think that I, – I don't know if this is the last year, if that's what you're thinking whenever you're listening to this. I have no idea. But uh, – we're doing we're doing some tribute stuff that's gonna be probably gonna make you make you cry a little bit um, if you're into that sort of thing if you're into you know crying I'm definitely the into the it. face of Dallas sports I do a lot of crying over the last twenty years oh brother I do a lot of crying <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah so Portland tonight they've kind of been a um, a bad basketball team <laughs> of late. Losses to the Lakers, Timberwolves, Zards, uh, beat the Knicks by four. Lost to the Bucks. Bucks dropped one forty three on them. Uh, lost to the Steph Curryless Warriors. Um, lost to the Clippers. 
Uh, barely beat the Magic, lost to the Nuggets, lost to the Spurs. So these are two teams going in complete opposite directions. Probably a good time to catch the Blazers, if there ever is one. I still think they're pretty good. I mean, C.J. McCollum owns us. He owns some property at the AAC. Um, dude is so stinking good. Yeah, when you have two guys scoring north of 21 points a game um, at pretty good efficiency. I'm a Nurk fan, too. Are you? Yep. I'm not. <laughs> pretty but, good defender. Yeah, he's fine. He averages like... Just needs to get out of Zach Collins' way. Oh, that's the that's the beef. Please huh? get out of Zach Collins' way. He's twenty four. I know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you're still playing Evan Turner twenty six minutes. So congratulations, you caught that hot potato. You want to take a guess at the line? Are you allowed to guess at that? No, I don't. Yeah, I can. Um, Mavs one and a half. Yep. Nice. I didn't look that up either. I didn't cheat. Don't worry, guys. And we get to see Seth Curry, our buddy. I miss you. Yeah. So that'll Good be times. Tonight. Yeah, ma'am. Things are things are swell in Mavs land. Eleven and ten, seven straight at home. Uh in the playoff picture at this moment. If you want to start that about fifty games too early. I'm here for it. And Luca's uh Western Conference rookie of the month. So I don't think things could be much better as of right now. A nice solid win against the uh the Blazers, make it an eight eight uh game win streak at home would make it pretty sweet. So yeah. Get out here and check out some Mavs basketball. We're uh, we're the best thing in town right now. So, all right, we're going to get out of here and uh, head over to the arena. So, thank you for listening to the Four Pointer. And, Jacob, thank you for your time. Bring me some food tonight at 2 a.m. <laughs> okay, after the game, I'll, I mean, it might not be 2 a.m. Okay. Yeah, I'll bring you some foods. <laughs>